world is a hard place to live every day but there's always those little things that seem to stay like the colors in autumn or the shape of one smile yours makes my life seem Without you, the sun don't shine, birds won't sing measure. Without you, the world turns around. Without you, the tides won't rise, no more seas in the weather. Without you, my heart's just longing to be. Everything seems tough to reach up above. Don't lose your feather from my dove. If you feel like you're broken, just want to surrender before you get lost.
and welcome to Season 2, Episode 3 of Guitar Tales. My name is Dave Cohen. We are thrilled to be here tonight. This is a show that we have been working on together for a long time. I look over there, the camera's not even there yet. But a fabulous show tonight, a show filled with gratitude because we have two guests tonight, two wonderful guests. Before we get into any of that, as I do every week, I want to thank our dear friends and the wonderful folks who populate uh, Riverview Studios. This is a fabulous facility. We have great um, interiors. We have great exteriors. I always use this word. It is eclectic in here. It's such a cool studio. If you have any filming needs, if you have any creative needs, come by. Don't just call. Don't just go to the website. You have to check out the studio. We sit on the banks of the Delaware River. We are in Bordentown, New Jersey, which is central to both New York, Philadelphia, and all the suburbs around it. It's beyond fabulous here. And more important than the building are the great people who populate this building. There's talent, there is creativity, and there is caring for all of our clients here at Riverview. So I really urge you, if you have any kind of filming needs, come here. It's great. Uh, now I'm thrilled, absolutely thrilled, to talk about uh, episode three of season two. We have with us two guests. Uh, we have Aaron O'Ree and Matt O'Ree. Thank you guys so much for coming. Yeah, no problem. Thanks. Great to be here. You know, you guys um, recorded two songs. The, the songs had Monica in tears, literally <laughs> the second song. I had goosebumps on my arms. Just that good. Originals that were Thank fabulous. You. You guys are a fabulous duo. I think you should get married. <laughs> <laughs> so. Good idea. All right, you going to do it? <laughs> yeah, I think so. All right, good, good. So uh, before we get into an interview that we've been excited about here for months now, uh, you know our game. You both know our game. And Matt, I'm going to direct it to you. Uh, so the name of the game, there's someone named John Bon Jovi. You may or may not have heard of him. Yeah. OK. <laughs> so it's Six Degrees of John Bon Jovi. And the idea is we see how many steps does it take, you know, before you know I'm just like, you know, six degrees of Kevin Bacon. So how, so do you have any stories? Do you have anything you could share with us that takes us, bridges us really from you to John Bon Jovi? You know, I'm not quite sure I had, can come up with the right answer, but I think if we watch this video, it'll make all the sense in the world. All right, let's take a look. I get it. I give. Here's what I got to tell you. Okay. You are the reigning champion, currently, okay. of Six Degrees of John Bon Jovi. Um, as I say every week, I think there's a guy floating around out there who's about 42 miles away off Route 195 who might be able to beat you. Probably. Probably can't, but that's about it. After what we just saw over there, yeah. 
think anyone else could beat you. You are the reigning champion. Well, thank you. Congratulations. <laughs> well, now, the, we could do, we, we were talking, and, and people who watch the show know we do these little, you know, pre-show snippets on Facebook and Instagram. We've been here for about an hour and a half together, and we've all agreed we could talk five hours. We won't. Easy. Probably not. Maybe we will. We'll see. See how, how tired everyone gets here and how much this works on us uh, before we start. So let me start with you, Erin. All right. Um, we heard your singing. Now, what, what the audience will have seen so far was only song one, where you're, you're doing some beautiful singing. Song number two, which we're going to play at some point here, you open up. Holy crap. <laughs> You've got serious pipes. Thank you. Uh, when did you become a professional singer? Or when did you first have an interest? I was born and raised singing. Really? My, um, I grew up singing with my family. So every really? family event was my grandfather playing guitar and my aunts and everyone sitting around the table singing. So you're a musical so, family? Yes, both sides. Really? Yep. Now, professional, amateur, a little bit of both? Um, a little bit of both, yeah. Okay. So you grew up in Maryland? Yes. Okay. Did you get involved with high school musicals, things like that, or more independent rockish kind of stuff? Yeah. Uh, I, didn't, I wasn't into the theater as much because I was very, very shy. Okay. So I didn't, I still have, you know, talking into the microphone. I clam up sometimes. Well, so, but I, so I did more uh, chorus. I did a lot of choirs and sang in the church choir. Okay, that, ma and, that makes sense. Yeah, and then I, yeah. I, sang, I grew up singing country music. I heard that in the, in the song. We'll have to figure out where to put it in on the show. That, that had a real country flair to it. Uh, now, we were talking before the show started. There, there's, there's a video going around on um, America's Got Talent of a young woman, girl really, four, 13, 14 years old, who's kind of demure and quiet, and then she explodes. With you, I think it's organic in that you're very quiet right now. <laughs> and in your song, my comment to you after you performed it was, that mic can't handle you. <laughs> you literally have to pull back from the mic mm -hmm. because it's no match for you. you know? it's, it's even tough to capture her in the recording studio because even with the unbelievable microphones, you know, $20,000 for a microphone, even Aaron's voice is so powerful, it usually distorts the microphone, and it's built for that, but wow. yeah. know, it's even hard to find the right microphone for her. Uh, I, uh, you know, I, so in song number one, there were actually both songs, you were doing great guitar solos, and I'm you know, cursing to myself, holy F, you know, this is great. <laughs> With your singing, I found myself doing that. When you started opening up, yeah. you know, it's like you're just sort of tapping the gas yeah. in the beginning of the song, and you're like, you know what, I think I'm going to go on six cylinders, seven cylinders, eight <laughs> cylinders. And then it just explodes. And it's emotion. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, so tell us about, I know a little bit because we talked very briefly, who that song was written for and what it's about. Oh, yeah. Um, and the title, by the way. Uh, it's called Without You. Okay. And I wrote it, uh, the lyrics for my daughter, Emily. Okay. And, you know, it's kind of just saying, like, the world wouldn't be the same without you. Yeah. Do you feel it every, you look, today you looked like you were feeling it. Every time you sing that, do you feel it? Oh yeah, absolutely. Do you see your daughter in your head when you sing it? Mm -hmm. And sometimes she's right there in the audience. Oh right, <laughs> oh, like literally. Yeah. Running our merch table. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, or roadieing for us. But you close your eyes when you sing. 
I do, yeah. yes. And do you, do you sort of visualize the song as you're yeah, doing Yeah, I, I have some things going around in my brain. <laughs> That's really cool. I mean, one of the things I see these days, and it's usually in, if covers aren't done well, but I'll often see singers who aren't appreciating the lyrics of, of what they sing. Yes, I think that happens a lot. I'll, I'm yeah. even going to say something controversial here. <laughs> so I love First Cut is the Deepest <clears throat> by Rod Stewart. Is that the full? First Cut, I guess, is the name of the song, right? Rod First Stewart? Cut is deep, yeah, it's uh, Cat I, Stevens. He wrote that? Cat Stevens. Really? I didn't know that. Uh, so I love Sheryl Crow, mm -hmm. but when I listen to her version, I don't think she's feeling those lyrics. You know? Sure. And I think Rod does, and it's funny because yeah. I thought he wrote it, and <laughs> I was wrong. But, but even on a professional level, I think she, she has all these great vocal gymnastics that she does on it, but I yeah. don't feel like they're in, in, inhabiting her. Yeah, I could see that. It's tough sometimes when you don't write the lyrics, you know, right. and, and trying to connect to that to deliver right. a performance that seems believable. You know, yeah. th there is definitely a bit of acting involved in that, but you're trying to put your usually why we're closing our eyes because we're putting ourselves, you know, right. we're, we're going to that place in our, mm -hmm. in our minds to, to find those things, you know. Right. Like and the reason why I've gotten fired from every cover wedding band I've ever been in is because I only like to sing songs that resonate with me. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> right, right. So, it's, yeah, so the wedding bands are like, yeah, no. Yeah. No, because that's, that's <laughs> not even, that's not the function, no, I right. guess, of a wedding band. Yeah. But, you know, to be a certain type of vocal artist, You've got to wait till the song inhabits you, I mm -hmm. guess. Yep. And I always try to change it up a little bit and make it mine. You know, right. I do it my way. Right. Now, are there times if you're, let's say, if you're touring, do you, sometimes you feel like it inhabits you. Sometimes do you feel like you just can't pull it inside you or? Yeah. Sometimes it happens. Yeah. Depends on how, how many miles we drove. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. And I guess the audience, like what kind of energy you're the getting. Energy from the audience, that's, that's the, the main thing. thing. Yeah. Right. And the sound. Yes. If right. the sound is bad on stage, uh, it can ruin the whole night. It, yeah, it crumbles. Yeah. Yeah. Matt gets yeah. angry. Uh, <laughs> oh, I bet. Son of a... Right. Well, you know, the funny thing is, so the clip we just watched. So yeah. what I noticed in that clip, so you're, you're playing with Bon Jovi. Yeah. Um, and you do this sort of Chuck Berry-ish, I don't know how to do it, and I, God knows I won't try. <laughs> this sort of, it's not skipping, that makes it sound too trite. But you do this sort of move with the guitar where you're sort of playing, you're moving on the sure. stage. Yeah. And that audience of 45,000 people explodes yeah. the minute you start doing that. Like I noticed that. <laughs> And, and you're playing, obviously, while you're doing it. And I wonder what, what, what the feeling is like when 45,000 people are getting excited of what you're doing. <laughs> you know, with today's technology in terms of sound reinforcement, um, on bigger stages like that, almost everybody is on inner ear molded you don't know. monitors. So unfortunately, I didn't hear any of that. And I guess you shouldn't, right? Because otherwise uh, yeah. you can't hear what you're doing. Possibly, but but it'd be nice to to feel that. They, yeah. Normally the inner ears, I I love them. Aaron's not much of a fan of them, but no. um, <laughs> even more organic than Matt. Yeah. Okay. I'm not but a fan. Uh, I like them also because they they filter out 90 to 95 percent of the outside noise. Right. So, as we get older as musicians, you know, hearing 
fatigue and tinnitus becomes an issue. That's huge, right. So any way you can try to minimize that, which is why, one of the reasons why I love them so much, I also love them because no matter where you are on the stage, and obviously a Bon Jovi stage is the size of a football field, so right. no matter where you stand, you have the same sound in your ears. The only right. thing that happens on that big stage is you kind of become disconnected sound-wise with the audience. But right. You know, sometimes they put they'll put a couple audience mics up and they'll put some of that through your. Through oh, so your they mix. will they'll, they'll mix a little bit a, of that. A little in. bit of it, yeah. But but is that artificial because someone in a, a sound booth is controlling how? I mean, there could be five oh, could people be, yeah. who sound like forty thousand or forty thousand who sound like True. five, I guess. <laughs> but it was it was nice to get home and and see those you know some of those videos and I was like wow like. That, that clip's I, crazy. I did that. I, yeah. I, I checked it out. You know, I was like, my God, I, I finally played stadiums. And with one of the biggest rock bands in the world. In, the, know, world. in the world. In the world. It was an absolute home run. And, and talk about a miracle. And every which way you can name that as a musician for something like that to happen to somebody who's, who's struggled and worked so hard to try to, right. to get to that level. And all of a sudden it happens. And you're like, oh, my God, I, I can't believe this is happening. No, you, I mean, I know a little of your story, and the one thing before we get into it, and I do want to, sure. Aaron and I were chatting, I think in one of our off parts here, is that in that video, what, what did you see in Bon Jovi's face? Uh, yes, he looked so proud. Yeah. He was just smiling at you. <laughs> it, it was so cool, and then he ends the clip, and he says, Matt O'Ree. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but he looked, I mean, he's probably not that much older, but he looked like a proud father to me. Sure. Yes. You what, know, like there was, there was such joy in his face you know, because I guess whatever, whatever his inner dialogue is, he used to tour with certain people, and now he's put together a different group of people. Sure. And you guys, is it, is that Phil X? Is that the guy you were? Yes, I, I was going was back and forth with, with watching yep. you guys together. We had so much fun together, Phil, Phil and I. Oh my God, there was like websites. Who's better? You, you actually, you were, you were winning this. <laughs> I was reading the cards, <laughs> but he's wonderful. He's, he's great. great. He's a great musician. And he does this crazy thing. I was asking Scott Engel about it, our publicist. Yeah. Where he he takes his pick, and it's like he's punching the guitar yeah and I'm thinking all right he's starting maybe 18 inches back and he's hitting where he needs to hit and that's it looks very dramatic it's a cool stage thing but sure. I would think that's probably kind of hard yeah to be accurate with it yeah, and, yeah. And, and which he is of course you know his, his technique is flawless yeah well and then you like even in your song you guys um, played the first song you played today or the second 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 when you've got that that ninth where you're sliding that around and going into a complicated thing not on an electric guitar with fuzz where you could hide behind anything <laughs> sometimes yeah that that you're like naked on that martin like there you know whatever's going on like which is f i'd rather be naked with that guitar than any, any oh, other acoustic <laughs> yeah it's gorgeous so well, let me do this a little bit so we, we talked a little bit of aaron's background and we're going to jump more into it um uh, so you're maryland born Okay. That's correct. You were Jersey born, Homedale? Correct, yeah. All right. Born, yeah. Oh, that was in Port Matawan. You were in fancy Homedale. Oh, well, but we were neighbors. Yeah, we were. We were. <laughs> I think the towns touch each other, right? They I do. And, and I, I, when I was in high school, I know there was sort of a rivalry between well, we were the football teams or something. Yeah. And there was always a fight at somebody's house party that shouldn't yes. have been having <laughs> well, a house well, party. Well, St. John's caused all the fights. That's what I Which remember. Is, yes, yeah. they caused all the fights. <laughs> but... Uh, so you grew up in Homedale, yeah. uh, Homedale High School or private? Homedale, yeah. Okay. So when did you pick up your first guitar? I was nine. Um, so my dad played, and um, my other siblings kind of messed around with it a little bit too. It, my dad tried to encourage us to play the guitar, so each sis my two sisters each had an acoustic guitar, and, 
And uh, my brother and I shared an electric that one of our friend's uncle gave to us. So what kind was it? It was a Modera, which was an offshoot from Guild. Oh, that's not bad. I think bad. that was Guild's like import okay. line or something like that. Uh, it was a double cutaway, kind of looked like a, a Les like Paul a Jr. Oh, okay. Right. But a double cutaway. And um, so uh, that's kind of how I started on that. But I didn't last that long at nine. It really wasn't until I was 13 that okay. I really got bit by it. And, it. and it was the influence of a few schoolmates. Uh, one we talked about before, my buddy Mark, that was involved in the Kramer Guitar Factory. Right. And, uh, we talked about him off air before the show, right? Yeah. And another buddy of mine named Garen, and it was those two guys that was like, I learned so much from them, because uh, you know at that point you know there's no internet, so it was everything was out of a book. Right. Yeah. The, yeah. Um, you're not going on YouTube like the kids do now to learn um, how to play or yeah. not learn. Right. <laughs> and my parents did, yeah. didn't send me for lessons or nothing like that, so okay. it was either anything out of a book that I could find, guitar magazines. Oh right. Guitar. We all subscribe to that, right? Oh my God, yeah. Yeah. Guitar for the practicing musician was my favorite back then. That and Guitar World. And then, how many times did Frampton make the cover? That was it like every I other issue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That and, and Eddie Van Halen. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Once. And Jimmy yeah. Page. <laughs> right. Oh right. Right. Yeah. yeah. So was that anything I get my hands on to to learn? You know, licks or patterns or scales or chords, and, and but I learned a lot from my two friends, Garen and Mark. So, what was your, what was your motivation then? Like, in other words, I will tell you with me, it was just this shallow, insecure little kid who thought maybe girls will like me if I play guitar. And then, incidentally, mm -hmm. I began loving music and guitar. Yeah. Did you have a more pure? Um, I, you know, I, I, most musicians would be lying if they didn't say that there was some kind of, you know vehicle to, to meet a girl. Right. Aaron's like, really? <laughs> She's going to leave you now. Nah. <laughs> but most of it was, you know, I, I always felt when I was younger, when my sisters or brother would try to sing along to the record. Oh, so you were aspiring to what you saw your siblings doing, too. Uh, definitely, yeah, for sure. But, right. And then but your parents, your and dad. My, my dad, for sure, yeah. So what did he play? He played guitar. Okay, and did he play in bands? Did he play just around the house? It was just for fun for him. Oh, just, that's great. Just a, a fun hobby. Was he an acoustic, electric, or both kind of guy? He was more of an electric. I remember him shopping for a Les Paul. Oh, wow. And and he still has it, and he still has the receipt. And the Does he really? The hang tag. Like, he keeps everything. Yeah, so that's great. He still has all that stuff. Yeah. So if you're in Homedale, you're at Jack's Music, Red Bank Music, Guitar Trader, all those? That Guitar Trader, Red, uh, I was at the Red Bank Music when they went out of business and right. had a big sale. My They're mom. all gone now. I know. Yeah. And, and Jack's was the other place. Uh, Jack's was the place where I bought my first real quality electric at the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then went, so you had your Madeira, was it called? M Madeira, yeah. Madeira. Yeah. And then when did you trade up to something uh, uh, advanced? I, uh, since my friend Mark his father was uh, the vice president of Kramer. I had gotten a, a Kramer guitar through him, but it was one of their lower ends. It was actually th through another person that came from my right. friend Mark, but I wound up having that guitar for a little while, and then I traded that in at Jack's Music for uh, an American-made Kramer guitar. Oh, that's that was now you weren't doing the aluminum neck ones. You were no, that, that, they were long gone. At I'm guessing I'm a little, what you, you mid-40s, late-40s, how old are you? Yeah, 47. All right, I'm 55. Okay. So when I was buying my Kramers, they were still making the aluminum split, split you neck, know, yeah. which was wonderful and problematical at the same time. Sure. But those, that, they were exploding. They were absolutely exploding. When yeah. they got into that Korean market and they were, you know, or, not, or the Korean manufacturer. Oh, yeah. It for was sure. crazy. And then Eddie 
and Eddie signing on, obviously, you know. And at that point, as a kid in high school, really seventh and eighth grade, Van Halen was huge. Gigantic. Gigantic. Right. And if you didn't have a Kramer at that point. You're right. You had nothing. So and it was like every kid wanted a Kramer guitar. And not only that, they were affordable. Yeah. You know, like back then you had, you know, Fender and Gibson were not touchable. If you're a high school kid no, without no, a lot of money. Not. I used to cut grass, you know, for neighbors and make money. And, and I saved up all my grass cutting money for a summer and I bought that Kramer. It was $700. That, and wow. I, which was a lot of money for a kid, yeah. you know, but That's I managed to scrape it together. My parents threw in a few dollars. And so you got your buddy a Kramer, yep. $700 for a Kramer. It was a lot. I mean, that was a lot for a kid. You know, again, I was, yeah. I was cutting grass, you know, and yeah. with my dad's lawnmower. <laughs> I had a, uh, saved up for it. I had a $15 used Simplex lawnmower. I cut Lawn Doctors National Headquarters on Route 34. Wow. That's why I bought my guitars. That's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't know Kramers got that expensive back then. I thought they were yeah, more like, you know, like one, two, three hundred dollar. They had those lines, so the, the Korean ones that you were talking about, referring right. to the imported ones, they also st were still making USA-made guitars. Oh, I didn't know. Okay, yeah. right, right. So there was a difference in price and, of course, a di difference in quality. Oh, right, because they had the, the plant like Neptune area. It was right. Neptune, yeah. Right, right, okay. Yeah. And, and you know, so they just exploded. And then what are you doing musically in high school? Are you in a band? Are you doing it through the school on your own or nothing yet? I didn't, never really got into the, um, the band, per se, in the school system, right. but I was playing with my friends. You know, we, were, uh, we had a, a great drummer at the time, and you know, we all played at his house probably three days a week after school. Right. And, and when did you graduate? Because that, that's my little beginning, and somehow I yeah. took a very less interesting um, tack in life. But, so you, you went from that to playing in front of people, and how did that occur? Um, we actually had, you know, in Homedo, we had performances. They put on coffee houses. They had really. They, we, they had a rock show. Where? That was oh, it was a battle of the bands. They had it in the auditorium. At school. At school, and it really? turned out to be a, a mess. And other people from <laughs> other schools came, and people snuck beer in, and they were drunk in the bathroom and made a mess. And that was it. That was that was the, that was the last of it because it, it was such chaos apparently. Right. right. And they this made. When you rolled your marshal down the hallway. Yeah. Yes. Wait, what kid in high school is a marshal? <laughs> right. I, I know. How did you get a marshal? Oh, oh, you know Cut, why? Cutting grass. Homedale. Fancy home. We poor Madawan kids couldn't do that. <laughs> you yeah. guys had peavies. Yeah. <laughs> we had marshals. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I had a solid state son. Yes. Not, a night, not a good son, a solid son. Solid son. Yeah. It, was, it was still a son. But yeah, you fancy kids from home, they'll use your Marshalls, <laughs> $700 Kramers. No, my, my, my parents were, you know, th he's, they taught us right. Everything that we, everything we wanted was yeah, there. Right. You just had to work for it. That's great. And we worked our tails off and we were always working. Right. You know, my parents both worked constantly, you know, six, seven days a week all the time for years. They, they did that. So um, I'm a workaholic because of that, I, well, I never stop. I can tell that. You know, I, I've done a lot of searching and I've watched a lot of your stuff on YouTube. Um, yeah. You love your gear. I do. And, and there we go down a rabbit trail. We're going to be <laughs> down it a long time. It'll be a really long episode. I think it will, and yeah. that's okay. <laughs> There's no limits on this show. <laughs> uh, now, let, let's talk about, you, you brought a friend with you. Yep. Um, let, let's talk about the friend who's right next to you, right over there. Okay. Uh, that appears to be Les Paul. It is, yes. Let's take a look at so it. So funny enough, as yeah. a kid, right, 
Kramer was everything and Van Halen yeah. was everything. And, right. and at the same time, I had, um, I stumbled, I, I, was, I started off really as a Jimi Hendrix. Okay. Uh, I was fascinated with Jimi Hendrix. And then I got into Van Halen, and, and of course that was a normal thing. At the and you're the same you know, the guy you know. separated by, I guess, 20 years. No, not even 20 years. 15 yeah. years, maybe. And then about the same time, having the Kramer, I wanted to get a Fender because I became so... Uh, Jimmy was a Fender guy, right? Oh, absolutely. Fender through Sun Tube or Marshall. Or, or right. Marshall, yeah. Right. But then, you know, and then I got into Stevie Ray Vaughan, and that was like yeah. a, another eye-opening thing, too. So, well, what, what did he play? He was playing a Fender Stratocasters, Okay. Yeah, through Fender amps. Right, mostly, Fender through yeah. Fender through a twin reverb. You, yep. It's hard to beat that sound. And right. he, was, he also used a Dumble, which is a... A, a Dumble is a... Um, a West Coast guy, Howard Dumble, Dumble okay. uh, was one of the early boutique amp builders. Okay. Uh, Howard was the West Coast guy, and I always said say that Ken Fisher, who made the Trainwreck amplifier, which is what I play nowadays. Okay. Um, I, he, I actually watched your episode talking about that. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so Kenny being the, the East Coast guy, the two of them, in my opinion, really single-handedly started the boutique industry because right. they were the they were the guys that were really building something that was not the run-of-the-mill Marshall Fender or Vox that you would find in a music right. store or PB, you know. Now, I've tried on this show to tell the backstory of Boogie, and I, I think I give a bastardized version. Do you know, like, the right version of the Mesa Boogie backstory? I, that one I don't. I, I never really went down that, uh, that, that path with, with Mesa, but I've heard great tones out of them. Yeah, so. yeah. And I heard what they did is they basically put a Marshall inside of, inside of a Fender, uh, not even a Fender Twin, like a Fender Princeton amp. Oh, wow. And okay. they just sort of stuffed it in and tricked people. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about this guy here. So what year is so, he or so, she? So this, I bought this. This is a 2001. It's, okay. a, it's a custom shop historic 1958 reproduction. Oh, wow. And one of the things that, you know, Gibson, uh, one of the positive things that Gibson did, obviously, and then I think the early 90s, they started the custom shop. Okay. And what does that mean? And uh, so the custom shop was a completely different facility. And it was. Is that the one in Memphis? It's in it's in Nashville. Okay. Or at least it was. I don't know if it's. I know they have like the museum in Memphis. Yeah. Okay. So uh, the custom shop really went after a complete handmade instrument, you know, uh, start to finish. Oh really? And okay. they were really trying to recreate, you know, the great sounds of old Les Pauls. Right. So, I found this one in a music store in Manhattan one day okay. in 2002. All right. Uh, it was. Still brand new. Right, yeah. I'm the only owner. Uh, and I walked in this store called 48th Street Custom, and unfortunately it's long gone. Like, right. like most of 48th Street's pretty much gone. So Right, that's where all the shops were back then. Oh, right? it, was a, yeah. it was like a candy store for, uh, for a, a kid walking down oh, yeah. that street. So, yeah. so I walked in the store, it was very... Yeah, wanna, oh, we, we're going to do the story in a second. Uh, okay. You're so good that when you walked in, you weren't shy about playing in front of all those people, I would imagine, or were no, you? No, no, definitely not. It's terrifying for someone like me to go, <laughs> like, I don't, I'll just like play without the amp. No, I don't want an amp. You know, nobody listen to me. You could walk <laughs> in and actually do it. Well, I, w w one thing I do when I, if I am shopping for a guitar or yeah. I happen to see something that catches my eye, I always play it unplugged. Okay. Because I want to hear what the, the, feel. Wood, the wood sounds like. And so you walk in up for this one. I know I interrupted so, you, but yeah. That's a, so a, a real, really long, narrow store it was. Okay. And you get all the way to the back of the store. It was like an atrium. It opened up. 
uh, and high up on the wall was this thing hanging there, and, and it was that moment of was like it staring at you. Oh, it was, and and the you know the sun was coming through, and there's no sun because it's a store in New York, and it was, <laughs> but it was like it was like oh you know the whole you know moment like like that's right it was yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I picked it up and and I was like oh my god this is exactly what I was looking for, and prior to buying this I was a Fender guy. Right. Again, being from the Hendrix, you know, mold. But did you always sort of think about, you know, like fenders are kind of light. They're not built well. They're just cool, but they're not built well. And these are built solid. They, they, they are, you know, I mean, they're, they're apples and oranges, you know. But yeah. I, I still have my fenders. I have a couple of vintage ones, and, and I love them to death. But, right. So, um, but, you know, this was a, a major turning point in my musical career, getting into a, a great Gibson Right. And a different tone and different st different feel. It, the feel makes you play differently. Oh right, yeah. Um, and it's a, it's a wider neck. It definitely for sure. Fatter, or flatter. Fat, neck. Fatter, fatter. This this one is, uh, and also, um, you know, the the mu the music that I started writing as as a result of this. Oh really? So it was like it was a lot of money at the time. This was thirty seven hundred wow. at the time. Yeah, that, that's and a lot of any time really. Two thousand two was like I can't believe I'm spending this kind of money. And right. Matter of fact, when I left. You know, Discover called me right away. Did you just buy a guitar? Oh, right. We're just making sure that nobody stole your credit card. I'm like, no, right. that was me. So, anyway, so I I loved the guitar. I went home. Right. I didn't buy it, and I couldn't get it out of my head for a week. And I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go back in a week. If the guitar's still there, then I'm I'm just gonna buy it. And that's exactly what happened. Wow. So the, the other importance of this guitar is is I got involved in uh, Guitar Center was holding a guitar contest, which they've done in the past. Right. But this one was geared towards blues, which is what my, my favorite thing to play. Right. So uh, it was called the King of the Blues, and it was a guitar competition. Um, uh, the, the host for the last final round was B.B. King. Wow. There were over 4,000 applicants, and I won the whole thing. I, I had heard that, and I'm still off the charts impressed by it. Thank you, thank you. So th this was the guitar that I competed with. Oh. And Gibson was the sponsor of the event along with Guitar Center, along with Guitar World Magazine, and B.B. King. And so it was like, okay, I'm gonna be competing in front of judges, and Gibson is involved. I'm playing my Gibson, I'm not gonna show up on Fender. Yeah, you can't. Did, any, um, did anyone else? Did, yes, they did. A lot of people, I was the only guy playing it was Paul. Really? Yeah, one guy had an SG, and a couple of guys had Telecasters and Stratocasters. I mean, they're great guitars. And, and a, a like you show up at a Gibson-sponsored. I know. I mean, but I guess if, if you don't if, own but one. But if that's what you, if that's the guitar that you love and you express yourself the best on, then, then that's what you should be doing. Right. But I felt that way about this guitar, so it, it was so cool to you know the, to win the thing, of course, and you know so humbled that I, I had that opportunity and experience, but to be in Guitar World magazine in a two-page spread, me playing this guitar, so. That's unbelievable. And through that, I wound up getting a, an endorsement with Gibson, so. Which, you know, these don't you know. do, I mean, it, it's, it's like, you know, Princeton, Harvard, that's like the Harvard <laughs> versus Princeton. Like, yes. you know, like, they're, they're just a little notch above Fender, I think, you know, they're yeah. the two tops, but. Yeah, I mean, the other great thing about it, too, is, I mean, I flew all over the world with this guitar. It was on tour with me with Bon Jovi. I played it night after night. Every ding, every, every scratch, every belt buckle rash that's in it, is, wow. it it's all me. It's not, it's not like I bought the guitar or bought a relic guitar that was already beat up. This, is, right. this was all me playing this, this instrument. And it's a gorgeous guitar. It really is. It's got such a beautiful top to it. And that's, that's what I noticed the second you came in with it. And are those... Are those open on the back, or are they? No, sealed? these are are, are uh, closed uh, Calusin tuners. And what is that? Uh, that that's just the company that, that okay. made them. Yeah. 
And is that Mother of Pearl on there? Um, I've had to replace the tuners a few times because they do eventually start to fall apart. And, right. Um, so uh, these actually came from uh, a company called Historic Makeovers in Florida. Wow. Um, and, and they, they aged the, 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 button, the Keystone buttons on it to make They're it look beautiful. More, more vintage. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a stunning yeah. guitar. That's a really so beautiful. What did you, um, do you remember what kind of licks and what you did to win that competition? Um, some of them, yeah. I mean, uh, for me, pulling from all my influences of blues guitar players, obviously I mentioned Stevie Ray Vaughan, but much deeper than that with, you know, uh, you know from Howlin' Wolf to Freddie King, Albert King, B.B. King, you know, um, Billy Gibbons, I love Billy oh, Gibbons. Yeah. Can so, you give us a little taste? Uh, sure, I mean, really just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I screwed the first one up, so let me That's try right. it again. Nice. I hear a little BB King floating around in there. Sure. Yeah. And that that has really nice tone. You're playing pretty clean right now. Yes. Yeah. But this this can, this is a it's it's a it's a. Uh, it's a war machine <laughs> yeah. going into battle. Are those original pickups or did you upgrade them? Uh, I did upgrade them. Uh, these are made by a guy named Peter Florence. He, okay. had, he had a company uh, in Pennsylvania called Voodoo Pickups. Okay. And I was, I was friends with Peter for a long, long time. He unfortunately just passed away in, uh -huh. in, in, this year. and was a, okay. We've lost a bunch of people that were close to us this year. It's been a tough one for that. But um, one cool thing about this guitar is it made it onto the Jumbotron screen during a Bon Jovi concert, right. and uh, it's a great picture because you see John and he looks so tiny in the picture because it's a picture of the Jumbotron screen. Right. And all you see is, is the flame top in, of this guitar. Is that the I, one we just watched? I think it's in that picture. Yeah. Because I, it's funny, I thought it was a red guitar in that picture, but maybe just the way the lights hit it. It could be. I, I have another Les Paul that has more of a reddish tint okay. to it, but, but this one particular shot um, has, a, uh, it's just the, all you see is this big pickup. I mean, the pickup's yeah. got to be, you know, a hundred feet tall. So right, right, I sent, right. I sent the picture to Peter, and I'm like, I'm like, I think this is the biggest voodoo pickup I've ever seen in my life. Oh, that's and great. He, he was, he was so happy that I got a chance to do, to, to do that tour and have that experience. And you know what I like? They look like if you said these are just the originals, because they look they, like it. They, yeah, for sure. They just have like a nice look. They're not trying to mess around and you know have this like modern look. They're not exposing, you know, the dual coils, the coils or anything. Yeah. You know, they're just like we're gonna keep it at, at, old they, school. In theory, they actually sound better without the covers. Cause right, the, because it's not that's blocking a signal. There, it, right? it is like you'll actually get more clarity and a bit more sparkle out of the guitar without the covers. But I love the look of the yeah. covers of being a, a Jimmy Page fan, and when I see right. that, or a Les Paul fan, when I see right. the covers off, no, it's beautiful you know, with the cover. It, it is, you know. and they look a little less classy when you see like the because they're all plastic. Yeah, you know yeah. the two little plastic and the wires wrapped around. Sure, and all that. So we're, we're sort of beating around the bush. We're talking about touring with Bon Jovi, but we didn't find out how you connected with the guy. How did that all come about? And um, then I want to talk about how you guys started um, working together, which is so cool. Sure, uh, the, the Bon Jovi thing um, was a series of events. Um, I started teaching guitar in the early 90s okay. as a favor to uh, a, a girl that I was dating and her neighbor 
was the sound man for Twisted Sister for 25-something okay. years. He toured all over the world with them. They're still kicking around. They're still doing some yeah. stuff, yeah. yeah. Uh, so Charlie was his name, and Charlie, Charlie was like, can you teach my son? And I had never taught before. And, okay. I, and I was like, well, if, if you guys want to be patient with me, because I've been wanting to teach, right. um, but I got to get a curriculum together and this and that. So uh, they were very patient with me, and, and I taught him for about 10 years. A long oh, wow. time, yeah, he was my first student. Wow. So that led to me teaching and teaching and teaching, and um, one thing led to the next thing, and uh, I wind up teaching a lawyer one day. Okay. Uh, called me for lessons, and he had this really cool house, I'll never forget it. Uh, we're still good friends. Uh, What's his name, maybe I know him. Brad is his name. Yeah. So <laughs> Br Brad wind up taking a few lessons, and then yeah. uh, he stopped taking lessons. I hadn't seen him in a while. Maybe two, three years went by. Okay. I'm playing at this place called Jamian's in Red Bank. It's one of our, our favorite places to hang out. We were, okay. th we were there just last night for their Christmas party. And we, and we play there you know, pretty often, so it's our local you know, hometown gig. Um, and Jamian's been such a huge supporter of the band for years. So I'm playing Jamian's one night, and in walks Brad. And I'm, like, and I'm on stage, and I'm like, oh, wow, I haven't seen him in forever. Right. And right behind him, was the keyboard player of Bon Jovi, David Bryan. Right. And his entourage, they walk in, and I'm like, wow, I didn't know Brad knew David. So right. on our break, Brad introduces me to David and you know, reconnect him with Brad for a minute. He's like, you got to meet David. He's the coolest guy. So uh, David and I just started chatting about some, he's like, is that a Leslie up there? And I'm like, yeah, it's Leslie B3. And you want to sit in for a few songs? More than welcome. You know, no, no pressure if you don't want to. And he kind of thought for a second, and then he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll sit in for a few songs. So anyway, so David jumps up and... Um, he's a fun player. He's awesome. He's, yeah. he's, he's so, I mean, ridiculously talented, you know. So, yeah. and so talk about the power of music and how it brings two complete strangers yeah. instantly together like we had been friends for 20 years. That's exactly what happened. That's beautiful. And it was really cool. So and I wa yeah, again, I've watched a bunch of clips of you guys together, yeah. and I could see the chemistry between you guys that it existed with Bon Jovi, but then it persisted afterwards. Sure, for yeah. sure. So David and I became friends. David and his wife, Lexi, started hiring our band to do some of their parties at their houses. Okay. And uh, we just became tighter and tighter. And then one day... Um, uh, David was like, you know, hey, we have a tour coming up, and I think we need a guitar player, you know. And he had the power within the band to suggest that, I guess. Sure, yeah. And he's like, you know, do you want to, you know, talk to John and maybe do an audition? And I'm, you're like, no, I'd rather not. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta wash my hair that week. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's pretty much how it went, and I got the call to do the audition and went to John's house and. That's unbelievable. Did the audition, and a week later, John calls me back, and he's like, you still want to go on tour? I was, and I was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's, that, and off, off we and went. Just like that. Yeah. And then where did you guys tour? We were all, it was all South, Southeast Asia was the most of the tour. That's unbelievable. Yeah. And I saw the clip that we just played, 45,000 people. And that, that wasn't, the biggest one we did was over 70. Really? Where was I, I, that? That was the Singapore Raceway for the Formula One race. Wow. And it was just, I mean, it was just a sea of people. You couldn't see the end. You could not see the end of where it, it didn't end. It was like, oh my God, I can't believe 
It was like one of the coolest pictures I think I got from the tour. Oh, you guys, well, we'll, we'll make sure we post that. You yeah. guys can send it to us. Yeah, for sure. Or we'll yeah. make sure we get it on the show. So even though, you know, if you've got the monitors going on in your ears, can you perceive how much is out there while you're playing or are the lights kind of taking that away from you? So, some of that ta gets taken away for sure. It depends, you know, uh, uh, the, the arena versus the stadium is two different animals really. Okay. Um, and I only had that experience, you know, how many times on that tour, so it's not like I was there for a couple of years or something. What's the difference you know? between an arena and a stadium? Uh, a, a stadium is open, open roof. Oh, okay. And arena is closed. Okay, gotcha. So, and there is a difference, and even though you have your in-ear monitors, there is a little difference in, in sound, even though the sound's in your head, is in, the in sound your ears, but you, you, f you can feel it coming off the back wall when, when the sound right. is bouncing back. Yeah. Right, I would think that the uh, open air would probably feel a little more natural. It does. I, I think I kind of like that a little bit better, but hey, either way, yeah, you're, you're, you're perfectly matter, happy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my, when I, my last show in New Jersey before I left for that tour was at Jamian's. Okay. And word kind of leaked out a little bit that I got the gig with, with John. Right. Um, so I'm playing there, and it's like a... It was filled to capacity. It was 160 people. It was 160 people, yeah. and I and I said on the microphone, "Well, if you guys didn't know all the rumors are true, I'm leaving this week for for uh, to play with Bon Jovi, and the place just probably exploded. Exploded, right? and it was like champagne shots. Everything. I was like, <laughs> it was every, not one person walked out of there sober, including me, and um, so that was the last show I had in New Jersey. The next show was was in a stadium, and it was wow. 55,000 people in Jakarta, Indonesia. Wow. And, and oh, is that the so the one the clip that we played is the first time you ever played in a stadium that large? Yes, that that was the first one. And I remember we we get there and we were there a couple days early to get used to the time change and this and that. And, right. And we had we left on a Tuesday night. We got to Jakarta on Thursday morning. Right. And I'm like, what happened to Wednesday? <laughs> oh right, and, right, and, right. And, 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 and and uh, John was like, we flew over it, <laughs> and I was like, like, like just that concept, like I never did that before. That was wild. But so, so our clip, again, I've only watched it 20 times, <laughs> but our clip that we played, that's the first time you ever played, you know, yeah. toward an audience in front of an audience like of that, that size. You know? And there's such drama. Like you and I were chatting about it, you know, like the drama that you know Phil X takes his solo, yeah, then you get the keyboard solo, then you go, yeah. And, and you nailed it, and then you did your little <laughs> dance across the stage, and then you and Phil X are like doing your dueling kind of thing, yeah. and then John gets this just incredible look of pride, and then he says your name, and that's why he's saying your name, because that's your first real gig with that band. It was, and, and how cool he was, not only you know to me, but in that situation, like that he gave a kid from Homedale a chance to do right. th to do that, 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 you know, that, that's, it's unbelievable. I can't thank him enough for that. Yeah, it's know. unbelievable. Yeah. Now, now, so we've covered a lot of years. Let's go back to you, Aaron. <laughs> so you're, you're in school in Maryland. Let's talk about your musical journey a little bit. So when did you first start? So you're, you're playing in your church choir, mm -hmm. right? Um, at some point you began writing, I guess. How did that all come about? I guess I was, <laughs> I was about 13 or 14 years old. Okay. Uh, I, hooked up with this woman, Jody Bon Jovi. <laughs> and we started writing songs together. Related? She is, yeah. First cousin. Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, that's wild. So now, now, was she a Maryland resident? No, this is New Jersey. Yeah. I moved to Jersey when I was 12. Okay, what part? Uh, I went to Jackson. 
Oh, well, because you're a Jersey girl. We can call you that, right? Yeah. No? No, you're not buying it? Okay, you're a Maryland girl. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, I don't, okay. I wouldn't say. Yeah, she is. <laughs> you guys could actually have a spat on our show. Uh, no. <laughs> All right. No, I don't. I, I've moved around so much that right. I don't. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so you start writing. What's her name again? Jody. Jody uh, Bon Jovi. Jody Bon Jovi. Oh, that's a cool name. <laughs> that could be a band, Jody Bon Jovi. It <laughs> is. Oh. Yeah. Well, Jody Joseph. Right. She changed it. Yeah. All right. But it was a name for a band at some point. It was. No, it yeah. is now. Yeah. Oh, it is. Okay. She was Jody Joseph band for a while, but she changed because bon that was like her married name so now right. she went back to her maiden name Jody bon, i love that so what kind of stuff all right before we get into that so you're a singer we, did you play any instruments or guitar okay i know that right that's right so would you write on guitar would you write just lyrics and yeah usually i would start with lyrics and then i um i usually write on guitar i've okay. written maybe two or three songs on piano okay but i'm not like Piano Efficient. popped in my head. That's why I was thinking of yeah. that. All right. But mostly on guitar. All right. And what kind of stuff did you guys do? Were you playing, you know, out? Yeah, I sang in her band for a while. Okay. Um, that was when I was in high school. I thought I was cool back then. Because I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I've got a gig in Manhattan tonight. That is cool. <laughs> that is. That's objective. That's <laughs> cool. Especially You're in high school going in Manhattan to play yeah. a gig. That's just objectively cool. <laughs> yeah, we were. I remember... Specifically, Arlene's Grocery. I wasn't old enough to go in because I was like 16. Oh, wow. <laughs> so yeah. the guy I was dating at the time came with me and we just sat at the pizza place across the street until the show went on and then we, right. I played the set and then I had to leave. Wow, that's <laughs> funny. That's funny. So you were, so everyone's drinking, you're not even old enough to do, be yep. there. Well, yep. You're right. Yeah, and then I would always stay at her house. She had a guest room and I would stay there and drive to school the next day. <laughs> oh, this would be even on a school night. Yeah, it would wow. be like a Tuesday or Wednesday night. Yeah. Oh, that's wild. All right, so now you're so you're a junior-ish in high school. Did you keep doing that throughout the rest of high school? Um, I, yeah, I think I. Yeah, I think I left her band when I was 18. So. Why? I got pregnant. Okay. <laughs> I got married. All right, yeah. that'll do it. Okay. <laughs> and then did you stay musically active when you had a young child or did you take I, a little time off? I did. Uh, no, I went to audio school. So okay. I did that for a while. And then I also, my two aunts and I started a business, a karaoke business. Oh, that's smart. So we ran yeah. um, karaoke all, all over like Ocean County. Okay. And we worked with the karaoke chicks. Oh, I like that. <laughs> it's just no fair for amateur singers to come up after she just sang. And both oh of my, my aunts sing, too. Oh, you would so. sing also? Oh, yeah, that was yeah. my job. Yeah. My aunt did all the... It's like playing guitar after this guy plays <laughs> guitar. Like, Thanks. You notice I'm not going anywhere near those two things. <laughs> you know? So how could people sing after you? Like, we, I mean, we had like our regulars that would come out. And oh, okay. I think because me and my aunts sang, we yeah. brought out like a higher caliber of singer. Okay, so, right. So, you know what I mean? Almost I like an open mic-ish kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it was more okay. like that. Right. And Not they quite. all had their songs that they sang. And, okay. you know, we knew, you know, when, oh, Dave is here. Let's pull up this song, you know. Right. So that was, it, I loved it because I was making money singing. And, right. You know, and then after shortly after that, well, I did grow up singing in my aunt's country band too. Okay. She was the lead singer of that, and then when I was, I don't know how old I was, eleven. Okay. Maybe. 
she put me in the band. Wow. <laughs> now, did you have pipes back then? I've, I mean, without I mean, putting humility aside. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't remember. I, I would, I, I've obviously All right. evolved. All right, let me ask it this way. Did people say, wow, you're a good singer, young lady? I mean, well, you yeah. hear things like that. All right, so you, you had good pipes back then. That's why you, my aunt knew I could sing just from, you know, messing around the house. And right, right. she was like, telling the band, her band at the time, like, yeah. you have to hear my niece. And every time I would get up there, I would chicken out. Okay. Because <laughs> right. I was too afraid. Well, you're 11 years old. Yeah, yeah. I was afraid. And then finally, one of, she used to have an annual barbecue, and her band would play. And finally, I sang, I think it was Crazy by Patsy Cline. And they and were like, okay, bring her to all the gigs. <laughs> and did it just bring the house down? Like, like yeah, out of nowhere? Yeah, my family was like, what's going on? Yeah. Where did that come from? They knew that I liked to sing, but they hadn't really heard me because I was always shy. I was very shy. Right. I mean, yeah, even like, you know, we, when we were doing our mic checks, now your voice is a little, when we first did our mic checks, you were kind of quiet. And this is right after I heard you sing so powerfully, you have to have the <laughs> mic 30 feet from your voice yeah. because you'll blow up a mic, you know? Yeah. That's so, why I told Matt, he never wants to hear me yell. Oh my yeah. God, that would be scary. He's never heard I haven't me heard yell. it yet. Well, it's not, not in 15 let's, let's years. So, who's the, was it Ella Fitzgerald in those commercials who would break the glasses? I think so, right? Yeah, I think it was her and those commercials. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you could probably break a glass if you worked at it. Probably. Yeah. Maybe. So, I try that. so now I'm trying to think of the timing. So, so you let's let's talk about right after you graduate from high school, where do you, you have a young child? Yep. Where does um, your musical career go from there? You have the karaoke business. And then What's I next? um I started a cover band called Easily Amused, and it was with <laughs> one of the guys who was in my audio uh class he played guitar okay and then we've we just kind of found some people around Jackson area where I lived and right we we started playing some gigs just in seaside and doing the little cover band circuit right right but I then left Sundance which is my aunt's cover band okay I left that and then did easily mused for a couple of years and then I left that and then I started my own band okay what was the name of that at the time, it was Aaron Schul band, right. and then I That's changed it. That's what I wrote it. here. See, yeah. Aaron Schul. Yeah. And I learned today you go by Aaron O'Ree. Well, and then O'Ree. my artist yeah. name, tech, my for my solo stuff is just Aaron. Yeah. Oh, I no like last that. Name. E R Y N. Yes. Not an I, but a Y. Right. <laughs> but uh, my band changed from Aaron Schul band to Aaron and the Whiskey Devils. I like that too. All right. And then I just dropped. Well, I, I still kind of do, if I do gigs at my band, I call them the Whiskey Devils. Now, I'm trying to figure out, so we have two lines of succession, you and Matt. So when, when, what year and what iteration of your musical lives was it that you guys met? It was uh, at the Wonder Barn in Asbury Park. Okay. And it was right after I won the Guitar Center competition. Okay. So 2006, I guess, probably okay. early summer-ish. Something like that. You better get it right, Matt. It must have been. I don't know, I don't remember <laughs> what month. It was right after uh, he just got back from winning that competition. Yeah. Okay. And then where are you in your musical career at that point? I was still in 2006. I graduated high school in 2001. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, so she was young. No, but, you're, but you're a few years into your musical career at that point. Which band yeah. are you with at that point? 
I had just started my own band. Okay, yeah. so that's the, so that's where you each were. So you Which come I, back from winning the award, yep. right? And you had just started your own band. You meet at the Wonder Bar. We, we were both playing an, an event. Yeah. Oh, okay, and, great. And that's when I had seen her play, and she came up to the bar and said, "Hey, sailor, how about a drink?" <laughs> Is that was that no. literally your line? No. no. <laughs> I wish that would have been way more clever. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, well, what, so did you have a line? It, I, no. <laughs> no. Remember how shy I, I was. That's true. So did yeah. you have a line, Matt? I did not. I, I was. No. <laughs> yeah. But all silliness no, I just aside. Said, hi, I'm Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She just said hi, I'm Aaron. But and then we, yeah. But all silliness aside, like I've watched between takes, you'll you'll hold Matt's hand. Like there's something really nice, like really nice between you guys. Very supportive. Did you guys like immediately when you first met? Did you feel like, <laughs> did you feel the connection with Matt that Matt felt with the Gibson <laughs> when you first met? I did. Okay. I knew. Yeah. From day one. I have a. Yeah. I actually found an old message on Facebook <laughs> from years ago right. that I had sent him that it, I was telling him that I felt we had a connection. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's nice. Like I, yeah, I, 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 I didn't smarten up yet. Is really what it was. <laughs> well, you're smart now. That's all. The I did. Yes, <laughs> I, yeah. I got there. Yeah. Well, it, well it, 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 it really, literally was when we finally got serious. Right. It was um, our drummer's wife was like you know Aaron really likes you and you know I think I think you guys would because I was just one disastrous relationship <laughs> after another and that's how you learn though you know I, I don't regr yeah. I don't regret any of it you know, I still no you I'm grow still, from your mistakes yep. you don't grow from you your do. success no yep. you know yeah. still friends with a lot of the people that you know I dated in years past but it was that one thing it was like you know what I, I'm, I'm done with this I, I can't right. do this anymore and I knew that it wouldn't be that way with her we were already friends for nine years at that point. Oh, really? That uh, now yeah. I understand what yes. you were saying. Yes, so so it was, it was a long time in there. So there was a nice, deep, trusting friendship that yes. had grown over years. So by the time yep. you guys started actually dating, mm -hmm. yeah. you really knew each other. Because right. we would see each other on festival gigs that yeah, we, we played both, all the same events. Both right. booked on, and I'm sure overlapping groups of friends. Oh yeah, yep. and fans. Yeah. Oh, that's tr right. Yeah, because you're you're in the same musical scene together. Sure. Now, and. He nope. won. He beat me out on all the competitions. You're a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I went up to him at the pony one time after he won all the top blues awards and right. stuff, and he beat me out. And I was like, you know what? If anyone was gonna win, I'm glad it was you. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. That's <laughs> nice to say. Now that's a good segue. So we talked before, but so I'm at a a, a, a law conference about a month or two ago, yeah. and I told you this before. Um, sitting at a dinner, and there is an older judge to my left. Uh, probably about 75 years old, and I'm, he's, to my, he's in a different conversation. I'm chatting with some folks in this direction, and I'm saying, I can't wait to have this guy Matt O'Ree on our show. <laughs> we have this great show. It's called Guitar Tales, and, and yeah. Matt is such a wonderful guitar player, blah, blah, blah. And this guy says, what? And I tell, <laughs> so I, no, I go left, he's and like, I start <laughs> chatting with him. He's like, he's I, like I, I thought I put that guy away. <laughs> right. And he's like, I ran a contest that Matt won. It's not the same one you just told us about, right? No, there was, there was the blues there was, competition. There was, uh, right. other things. I was yeah. in that competition. Oh, yeah. so, so he, he was, he's a judge. You said you still call him the judge. Yeah. But how crazy is it that here I am at a completely unrelated event? Sure. So that's but the six degrees of separation. It is. It's kind of like, you know, I'm Two. Clark Kent at the time, I'm Superman, <laughs> and, you know, I'm meeting like Wonder Woman or something. <laughs> that didn't work. But, um, <laughs> but it was, it was so cool. What's his name? Gene Ivans. Yeah. Yes. Sweet guy. Wonderful. Yeah. And we ended up chatting about guitars the yeah. whole night because of you. 
Yeah. Uh, and now I realize you also. Gene's been part of the Jersey Shore Jazz and Blues Foundation, and it's an awesome foundation. And we, we've been members for years, and, and they they help so many musicians get gigs, you know. And it's all blues and jazz, and, and right. they're, they're such huge supporters. And you know, they I can't say enough good things about them. Yeah, they host a lot of events. Yeah. And, and and then you were competing in it too. Yep. Were you competing in it as a vocalist or as a band? As a band. The band. Oh, okay. Yep. So they they have a, a thing every year that they they send a representative band down to a bigger competition down in Memphis, Tennessee. Right. He told me about yeah, that. Inter, the IBC International yeah. Blues Competition. And he sent you to that, right? Twice we went right. down and, and competed. And yeah. he said you came in second, I think. Uh, that there was down there that, that, that how they do their contest. There's different days of competing, okay. and then everyone's trying to get, everybody's trying to to pass the test essentially to get to the last, the final show, which is on a Saturday. Okay. Um, we we never made it to the Saturday. Okay. But we competed, you know, a, a multiple days, and. I think we did well. I mean, they, they seem to like us, and they always seem to like us. But um, you never, you know, with contests, you never know because no. there, there could be politics involved. Right. You know, there could be, you know, uh, you just never. Well, it's a million you know. different things, and it's it the is. specific taste of the judges sure. and, and their biases and all that. Yep. Yeah, a lot of the blues people like they're very strict about what style of blues you're supposed oh, to be right. playing. They are, yeah. <laughs> and it's purist versus right. maybe a little more infused with something else. Correct. And what they which like is, and all that. Which is what we're, we're more of a blues rock right. thing. Right. And some blues people don't like their it's rock. It's like just their Robert blues. Johnson. And that's yeah. it. Yeah. Right. Acoustic Robert Johnson. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, which we love too. But and they would send know. an acoustic act too. A band and a yeah. solo act. Right. Yeah. So that, that's, it was fun down in Memphis. We had a good time. Oh, I bet you did. Yeah. <laughs> that's my favorite town in the country. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I love Memphis. I love going to BB King's yep. and just listening to whoever's on this, whomever's on the stage. Sure. Ribs have to be dry. <laughs> <laughs> I like the dry ribs. But, now, when did you guys start musically collaborating? I mean, I was. It was right after I got the, the when I got back from Bon Jovi. Yeah. I mean, I sang with the band a lot. Right. Yeah. Throughout the year. Sure. But it was right, right when we got back. I, I wanted to add, because uh, prior to that, the band had always been, it originally started out as a three-piece band. Okay. I.E., ZZ Top, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Jimi Hendrix, all right, Robin all Trower, all my heroes, right? So, right. Um, and, and eventually grew to where we had a, a fourth member, a keyboard player. Um, then when we got back from, I got back from Bon Jovi, I wanted to up the game. You know, so we added. You had like six guys on stage. No, no, there's six. So I added Aaron and and our other singer Leon Holmes, right. who also sings with Bon Jovi. Yeah. Oh, okay. oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know what I forgot to mention, and then we'll come back to this. That's seven so separations. Was no. Are we going backwards or forwards with separation <laughs> from John? No, we're not even doing that. We're not. Even oh, okay. Doing that. <laughs> but <laughs> but something similar. <laughs> so the first song you guys played, you said that um, on the the track that's on Apple Music and Spotify, yeah. some guy named Bruce played some guitar and um, did some backup vocals? He, uh, he did some lead vocals on, on a song with us, yeah. That, oh, he did lead? Oh, that's He right. did, yeah, yeah. Now, how, how the hell did that happen? <laughs> so, back to my teaching journey, and I still teach guitar every day today, too. It's something I just love to do, and right. you know, and keeps me employed. So, um, so teaching one student to the next student to the next student, and you never know who their parents know, right. or their parents that worked with, or uh, how many connections that I've developed and relationships I've developed through teaching. Right, right. Not necessarily from the teaching lesson aspect of it, but from their their parents or their relatives, right? So one student to the next to the next, I wound up meeting Bruce's son. 
Right. Um, you're at the oh. Guitar Center competition. Well, so I, I first I met Bruce's son because he was friends with one of my students I was teaching. Okay. And he hung out for the lesson one day, and we were just jamming, and he was playing a little piano, and we oh, were really? working on some guitar parts, whatever. So um, then I went off to go compete in the Guitar Center contest, the, the final round in that. There was five rounds in the whole competition. The final round was in Chicago okay. at House of Blues. Oh, wow. And B.B. King was, was, you know, was the headliner of the event. Right. So we kind of... Really, the competition was opening up for B.B. King is really how it went. So, oh, I see. So as I win this thing in, in Chicago, and my friends that came out with me, my bandmates at the time, were celebrating, you know, beers flying, everything, you know, everything. And I get a phone call, and it was Patty oh, calling I, me to say, hey, my son really... Patty you know, Scalfa. Yes. Yeah. My son really enjoyed, your, you know, your, your, your teaching, and you felt comfortable with your company, you know, would you mind coming to, to teach Sam at, at our house? And I was like, yeah, I would love to, to be honest. That's what to. you just say. No, I, I draw the line. I, I'm kind of <laughs> in the middle of something right now. But it was, it was just funny because it cause really literally was in the middle of celebrating, you know, winning this competition. Right. And the competition went on. It, it, was, it was one round per month. So it was a five-month long thing. So wow. in between these rounds, I had to up my strategy to figure out how am I going to outbeat the next guy like that's you amazing. had to keep thinking that yeah it, so it was kind of like I, I took a page out of bruce lee's book of never showing your hand in a fight never he would never go to a fight and start doing you know kung fu forms and, oh, really? and showing people what he knew he or like what he i didn't said, want anybody to yeah, know like when we were talking before again off off camera, yeah. when Eddie Van Halen would play at the whiskey, his back would be at the audience of so they course, couldn't yeah. figure out what he was doing. Sure. So yes. when I would sit there and watch the other competitors, I just sat there, you know, didn't say a word and just oh, focused and watched what they were doing and say, okay, I, I, you know, as a teacher, I could see where they were proficient and I could see where they might not have been proficient, but there was a lot of great players in, in the competition, really. It was, it was anybody's game at the did, end. Did that know. feel on some level antithetical to you being an artist, like competing as opposed to just creating? Yeah, it's, I, I, the competing you thing. You smiled. You, yeah, that, that resonated you know, with you, right? Yeah. You don't know how many times I've heard, you should try out for American Idol. Right. You should try out for The Voice. You know, yeah, you have the pipes for it, but I've you don't want that. I've tried out for all of them. Oh, you have? Yeah. I've Star Search, because I'm old, and <laughs> American Idol, <laughs> The Voice, Nashville Star. I don't even know if that show's still on. Right. Uh, America's Got Talent, The Voice. Like, all, I don't know if I said that right. Yeah, all of them. And you got I even had uh, producer auditions where you get to audition before the general public. Yeah. And that's amazing, because you've got better pipes than people who win those things. Sure. You know. And like, like we said, you never know who's going to win because it's it could be political, well, it could be somebody knows somebody. You know, like how, how those how all those things go. Well, not only that, you look at like uh, Katy Perry, like all over the internet, all they say is she gets intimidated by, you know, the people who, uh, you know, sometimes at least gets intimidated by some of the singers. That could be it. Yeah. If you've got a bigger voice than some of the people judging you, that uh, could hurt you. Sure. You know. I did a lot of that when I was young, and I was. Definitely more awkward. <laughs> right. Uh, my shyness probably always held me back a little bit. Maybe. But, um, you know, I just figured that's not my path. No, and, and not only that, like, like for you, like, it, it, it got you a certain thing. True. But I wonder if that, if that really helped your craft or if it just got you something sort of vocationally. Like, yeah. 
Like if you hadn't entered that competition, you'd probably be as good and as creative a musician as you still as you are right now, right? Probably, because I yeah. mean the, the competition wasn't really. I mean, it was nice. It was nice to do it because it pushed me to work even harder right. at playing better. Right. right. So I knew I had a, I had a deadline. I had a competition. I, you know, I I had to get through this. So it, it, I definitely grew in that five months. You know, there's no doubt about that. And the, and the amount of hours I put into practicing, much like, you know, getting the Bon Jovi gig is like, okay, I got four. I got to learn 44 songs. Oh my God! Like, how do I keep all this That's stuff in crazy. my head? So it's like, but sometimes th those deadlines are really good because it really pushes you to right. work even harder. And I know. guess it, it's a different, it's a different effort that you're, 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 you're improving your craft, not your art in that one, I would think, even though there's probably a little bit of overlap. Yeah, for sure. Around. But back to your original question, like yeah. the competition versus the art, it's like music's not a competition. Right. right. You know, it's not supposed to be. Yeah. Nope. And, like, and I was in a competition similar to his, with a different store. Okay. Uh, Belk, the southern department store. Okay. Yeah. And I, that was the same kind of thing. It was uh, over a period of a few months, and we had to go to different cities to compete. And I ended up winning the blues part oh. of it. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And that, so, so let me hit you with the same question. So that effort, did it, did it feel organic to you, or did it feel kind of weird that you're using your art but in a competitive way? It's definitely weird. And it, it, for that one, too, it was it was more focused on me as an artist where he was doing it as a guitar player oh i see what you mean so yeah. i was performing as me and right. we would talk we would do like these little promo things and i would talk about myself and and how i am as an artist and then i was also playing my own songs so it's more so your event probably was more organically affiliated with your art yeah and then yours is probably it has it but it's probably a little bit more about technique I think so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but try, you know, trying to have a balance of technique and and authenticity, I guess. And that and soul and, and right. you know and, and right, it's from the heart. It right. is. But it's got to just come from it has, the heart. It has to be from the heart, yeah. And I've, yeah, and did you get to sing or was it just guitar? It was just guitar, you know, and it's and it's again great to be in those in those competitions. Uh, you know, it's it's great to do it, but it's also kind of sad sometimes because some people that become suddenly become not your friend when you win and right. it's like I don't I don't want to do that you know yeah but, but that's the way it went you but know? everyone has their, I mean that was part of your it's a piece of your path it is mm -hmm. yeah. you know yeah and uh, and you beat 3,999 people or whatever <laughs> about, that's about. Crazy. so that after winning the thing so I wound up teaching Bruce's son for a long time almost seven years and uh, became he was like my little brother like he's just such a great kid Wow. and uh, and it was it was him that played one of my songs for Bruce one day, after asking me if hey could, let me hear one of your songs you're yeah. working on, and I was I was actually giving it to him because I wanted to hear his opinion, of someone who grew up in the house of Bruce right, right so yeah. I, I I knew as a kid you know, especially you know younger generation I want to hear those opinions because. I'm still stuck in the days of vinyl records and A-Track. Right, right, right. And, and he's on, you know, whatever, Spotify, right? Yeah. So I, I want to hear those younger op opinions so I can maybe tweak something, you know? And he enjoyed it. And I he guess. enjoyed it and he played it for his dad and his dad commented on it. And when I saw him, he's like, you know, said that he liked the song. So I mustered up every ounce of courage and I asked him to play on it. And 
and he agreed to it. So that's beyond fabulous. It was awesome, and his vocal track is is fantastic. I'm it's gonna, it's I'm gonna so check cool. it out on Spotify. It's called, What's the name of the song? I'm gonna it's write called it Bla down. Uh, Black Boots. Black Boots. I'm writing it down right now.
when people want to find your music, either separately or jointly, where do they find it? Uh, right on our, our website, mattoreband.com. So Matt O'Ree, -E, that's O apostrophe R-E-E, -E, not R-E-A, R-E-E. Well, -E. not no apostrophe in the website. Oh, okay. Uh, on the website, yeah. Okay, so Matt O-R-E-E, -E, band. Yes. Put band in at the end, although yes. I'm sure if you Google you, you it. You can just Google it. the name, you, you'll, you'll find us, yeah. And I'm sure you have Instagram presence. Oh, yep. yeah. All that stuff. And then Facebook. we'll be down in uh, St. Bart's in the Caribbean playing for 10 days over New Year's Eve this year. Oh, that's year, fantastic. Which is, which is awesome. <laughs> And then yeah. we have a lot of touring coming up for yeah. 20. Oh, really? It's going to be a busy year. Yeah, we're going to be down south a lot. Yeah. Oh, really? Texas, New Orleans, Florida. Yeah. And then we're going west, uh, New Mexico. New Mexico, Colorado, mm -hmm. uh, Ohio, Ohio, Illinois. Wow. So just a whole national tour. Yeah. And we'll, we'll, we'll be grinding it out this, this year. Yeah. So to find the dates, we just go to your website, right? Yeah, it's really easy. Mattoreband.com. Yeah. Basically. All right, that's fantastic. Well, look at the clock. We've uh, been here for well over an hour, and it, it, it literally feels, I'm, I'm not kidding, it felt like 15 minutes with you guys. <laughs> thank you. So thank you so much for coming on. This was Thanks fabulous. Thanks for having us, yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Oh, our absolute pleasure. So we have so many more great shows lined up for you here at Guitar Tales. Uh, we've had great guests. Uh, we have many more to come. We have many more for season two. Uh, I want to put out a special thanks to our publicist extraordinaire, Scott Guitarmacist Engel. He lined up the show tonight. Good. Thank you, Scott. Uh, it was absolutely fabulous. Thank you, Scott. And thank you to our great friends here at Riverview Studios, riverviewstudios.com. And you could find us on Guitar Tales at guitartales.com. Uh, you could find us with our YouTube channel, Guitar Tales with Dave Cohen. We have an Instagram page, which I don't know how to use. <laughs> and uh, we have a better presence on Facebook because that's for old farts like me. Uh, we will see you at our next show. This is Dave Cohen signing off. Have a great day. Bye-bye.